Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The first thing to take away from this is that whilst the Ukrainians are saying they still have a small foothold in the city of Bakhmut, they concede that Wagner controls most of the rest of the city that is rubble. There is nothing left of the city to really care about. That's Sam Kiley of CNN talking about the story that came out over the weekend, Russia claiming that they took the city of Bakhmut after, what, six months of fighting and 100,000 casualties, according to Joe Biden at his press conference yesterday. Mike Lyons isn't so sure what's going on here. Propaganda, that's all that's going on here. This is the twilight part of this battle at this point. There's no nothing tactically more to be gained. The, the city has been flattened fundamentally. It's more or less, it shows Ukrainian resilience, but also Russian military failure. They're trying to claim some kind of victory right now that just isn't there. Yeah, I'm kind of confused by this. So there was a New York Times headline yesterday saying uh, Russia controls parts of Bakhmut, blah, 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 and Ian Bremmer tweeted out, no, you, no, you're wrong, New York Times, Bakhmut is gone. So he's plugged into a lot of different sources, Ian Bremmer. Mm-hmm. But his feeling is the Russians now control that pile of rocks. I'm not sure that matters. No, and from what our friend Mike Lyons has told us, there's no great strategic significance to that little bit of land. It's not the gateway to something else. Yeah, I heard one military strategist on a podcast who who was, uh, I forget his name, he's one of your top think tank people in America, but he thought it was all about draining, having the Russians pinned down so much of their focus of their weaponry and and effort and attention in one spot, draining. Well, they accomplished that. The Ukrainians accomplished that. Okay, you can have the rocks now. We took 100,000 of your people off the battlefield. You spent gazillions of dollars. You got nothing for it. Enjoy your pile of rocks. Um, now we're going to rain artillery shells down on your heads for the next three months and attack your flanks constantly. Right. Well, that's the next part of this. More from Sam Kiley of CNN. But more importantly, from the Ukrainian perspective, they are also holding the flanks. Indeed, they've advanced on the northern southern flanks, which means that they have uh, the Wagner mercenary group potentially in the mouth of their jaws, which uh, ultimately they could turn to their advantage by using Bakhmut as a free fire zone and going after the Bakhmut uh, city center, which is held by the mercenaries, so the mercenaries claim. So it might be a, okay, you're in there now and we got you surrounded. It's in the mouth of their jaws. That's an odd expression. He's in a a war zone, huh? It's a good point. You in a war zone? Huh? It's easy to be clear when you're not not. in a war zone. I don't appear to be. Uh, Wow, okay. So, yeah, hard to see exactly how this is a big victory for the Wagner uh, monsters or Russia. And as as to them claiming they've taken Bakhmut. Prigozhin, the leader of the organization, and we have to say that this is a man who says more or less anything every day, but his latest statement uh, when he took the city was that he would be uh, pulling his men out on Thursday. Uh, and expected the Russian regular forces to invest the city. Uh, If he were to try that, that would provide the Ukrainians with a golden opportunity during the so-called relief in place uh, to attack both sides. That would be a point of great vulnerability. It's that I don't think we should set any store by it whatsoever. After all, this man uh, is, after all, a murderer. Yeah. Yeah, so perhaps he lies also. 
Not only will he cave your head with a sledgehammer, but sometimes he'll, he'll tell untruths. So Zelensky was asked about this yesterday at the G7 meeting. He was actually there. That's got to be weird for him. What a strange thing to deal with in your own head. Because he goes back and forth between, you know, the teeth of the war. Sometimes he's on the front lines in the battle. He's seeing murdered children and, you know, destroyed houses and dead old people and just the most gruesome things you can see on earth. And then you get spirited away in a private plane and you're hanging around the people in the fancy suits and wearing the earpiece and having conversations and, you know, eating fine food around a table with white tablecloths. And it's got to be very hard to, like, make it all work in your head that how does this exist here? And they get to have all this safety. And I'm going to fly back to where people are starving to death and being bludgeoned. Well, and how difficult would it be to calibrate your... uh your adamant right your, uh, i mean because you'd be like screaming desperate in the war zone then you've got to not scream at these uh highfalutin people who are enjoying their crab legs as you try to get more weapons and funding right sitting there enjoying their crab legs and many of and they're them chuckling and <laughs> right yeah and talking about the weather i'm sure and whatever it's just got to be yeah you need we understand that ukraine is really facing a challenge <laughs> may i have another glass of wine please and you'd be sitting across from somebody that you may know their life history includes very little hardship ever It'd be tough to keep your mouth shut about that. And again, well, at least he knows Joe Biden's been in a series of knife fights and chain <laughs> duels, so he can probably relate to him. Um, you know, and uh, Zelensky's a comedian YouTube star having to negotiate these two different worlds and do the best for his country. So yesterday, or over the weekend, Joe Biden gave an indication that we're going to help train Ukrainian pilots on F-16 fighter jets. While we haven't specifically said we're giving them the F-16s yet, some of our allies who have many of our F-16s have already said that they're willing to transfer them to Ukraine. So we're going to train them on the planes, and and they're going to get them from other countries. And I don't know if you saw... Uh, former Secretary of Defense Gates on one of your talk shows yesterday being asked about this. And a couple of things he said that I thought were really interesting. One, as to the uh, importance of being at war against Russia with Ukraine, why it's important. He said, I have no doubt in my mind that if Russia prevails, they will move on to take some of these other countries that are NATO countries and we do have agreements with, and we would have to have troops on the ground. He, had, he said, no doubt wow. in my mind, which I think is really interesting. I'll have to I, watch that. I had kind of assumed all along that if Russia wins over Ukraine, Putin's thinking would be, I'm not doing that again. Or, right. or it's a lot different to take Ukraine than it would be to take a NATO country. So I thought it was interesting to have Bob Gates say, no doubt in my mind, he, he goes further because his whole goal is to reestablish the Soviet Empire, and he, 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 he wins this one. He's going on to the next country. He's going to take on NATO? I'm making a squinty face, folks. Uh, I'm not sure I buy that. And I have a great deal of respect for yeah. Bob Gates. He, he knows a lot more about it than I do, and he certainly knows a lot more about 
Putin's thinking than I do, having been a CIA director and uh, and Secretary of Defense. Uh, you know, he's it's uh, he's also a creature of politics. It's entirely possible he just feels like we need to galvanize U.S. support for this before perhaps a Republican who's hostile to supporting Ukraine gets into office. The other thing he said that I do agree, absolutely do agree with it, is the Biden administration has just been too slow. They've come around to all these different things. He said Putin has indicated a long time ago, and he said from what I know of Putin, he is not going to go nuclear. He knows that that would be a bad decision. This hesitancy to give the Ukrainians the various weapons all along has been a mistake, he said of Joe Biden. Well, actually, the question was from the Face of the Nation host was, hey, Bob Gates, you famously said that Joe Biden has been wrong about every foreign policy decision of the last 40 years. How about now the way he's handling Ukraine? And he didn't make it pointed, but he said, well, uh, we're too slow to give them the stuff they want. Remember, the excuse was, and Bob Gates said this yesterday, the excuse was, we can't train the F-16 pilots. It would take six months minimum to train them. He said, well, if you'd have started training them six months ago, they'd be ready to go today with the planes, which is obviously true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, overly cautious has been uh, the mark of Joe Biden or Joe Biden's mark or somebody. I don't know. Yes, he um, was the but, only no vote for going after bin Laden. Right. For instance. Not a joke. So it's not surprising. Now, we've heard that the well, the problem with the F-16s is that the more sophisticated weaponry you're talking about, the uh, greater the need for the, uh, what do they call it, the... Um, well, the, the support mechanisms from uh, from spare parts to mechanics to facilities to maintain them, that sort of thing, and that uh, an F-16 has extremely long and wide coattails. But, you know, to your point in Bob Gates, if they started building those coattails six months ago, they'd be in place now. Right. Um, and, and we have not sent a single weapon system, I don't think, that I haven't heard. Well, the problem with that is it takes a lot of training, then you have to have people who maintain them and parts and stuff like that, but that hasn't... Turned out to be that big a deal for the Patriot systems or whatever. So right. evidently they're figuring it out. Well, it sounds to me like it was the excuse they used at the time for not giving the, the weapons. I think Joe Biden, in keeping with his thinking of his entire life, is overly cautious. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the next president does, whoever that might be. Um, uh, you know I, what? I'm going to psychoanalyze Joe Biden from afar. I think He's a pussy. he is. Pardon me? I thought that's what the what you were. That's why I was going to psychoanalyze him. I think the fact that he is hyper cautious and he never want be, wants to be the one to stick his neck out. I think that's part of the reason he tells such you know vivid tales of daring do that he's willing to dive right into a knife fight. Ain't nothing for me to fight a guy with knives. Remember or the straight whip race, him with you'd bang him on the curb. That's the reason he enjoys telling those tales so much, is he's actually, you know, not that guy at all. Oh, the I got arrested in South Africa, you know, all those stories, yeah. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. Right, I marched to the civil rights. I actually fought a a German shepherd during the civil rights movement. Yeah, you could be right. You could be right. He tells those stories because he's the exact opposite. Eh, Yeah, we better not do that. I'm a, a bottom third of my class lawyer, so how about we don't do that? Exactly. True of international pressure. <laughs> the one other thing I thought Zelensky said that was interesting yesterday, is absolutely right, is Bakhmut lives only in our hearts at this point. And if you've seen any pictures, it's just a bunch of rocks and dirt. Uh, a, a city that used to be all trees and grass and playgrounds and roads and malls and 
all the things that the town of 70,000 people are in America is in America. Um, it's all gone. It's just it's just tiny pieces of rock and dirt. Right, a blade well, that's of grass what it took to, to clean out those Nazis. Right? Oh, right. All those Nazis are gone. And freaking Putin yesterday said, you know, uh, toasting Russia and their and their military prowess, we have a liberated Bakhmut, and they all put their glasses in the air and cheer. You liberated Bakhmut. Still going with the whole, it was under the control of the Nazis, and now you've liberated the people. Nobody lives there. Right. Is that for the Russian audience, the people that might not know what's actually going on? I'm not sure there are that many of them left. Well, right. They liberated Bakhmut from Bakhmut. Um, But the other aspect of it that dictators always do is they lift their glass and say something ridiculous and see who cheers the loudest and maybe doesn't cheer quite enough. Right. Well, I'm all for those F-16s getting there from wherever they come from and training up the pilots and blasting the bejesus out of Russia. That's my position. And I've never been in a rusty chain fight. You know, when you used to bang your chain on the curb and take the knife and get the brain barrel and <laughs> put it on their head. And take an axe and hit yourself in the head with it a couple times just to toughen yourself up. <laughs> right. <laughs> then use the axe to shave your hairy legs. Speaking of war, we spend way too much on our Pentagon. That was the big story in 60 Minutes last night. Maybe we'll get to that later this hour. And the brave Biden climate agenda. How are the Euros reacting to it at the G7 meetings? Kind of funny. All that on the way. True and international average of pressure. Armstrong and Getty. Tim Scott. Senator South Carolina announcing today's running for president. He's doing his formal announcement live here in a little bit. We are going to have more from his uh, video, his opening video, a little bit. Hey, they uh, they do a thing out in the newsroom, uh, a little poll on a regular basis of employees here, and they the one today is which which is which are you, do you hate more, spiders or snakes? What would you go with? Wow, actually, that's a fr- good one. Friday was which which are worse. Crocs or Birkenstocks, and I was pretty surprised to see the Birkenstocks. Everybody put Birkenstocks. I remember when Birkenstocks were like the popular shoe among young, cool people, but apparently they aren't now. Well, at least Crocs have the decency to hide your toes from humanity. Right, exactly. Wow, I don't hate either spiders or snakes, but like in terms of a visceral reaction... Well, yeah, you wake up and one's in your bed. Which one do you hate the most? I got to go with a snake. Easily. Not even close I see to a me. big hairy spider and I think, oh, but if uh, I see a snake slithering around and there, you know, there are a fair number of rattlesnakes in the region around the radio range. Um, I, I like have a uh, urge to run in the other direction as fast as I can while shrieking like a little girl. I've actually done it. That reminds me, uh, my kids ate uh, alligator on Friday night. There was a, a food truck at the end of the year school celebration thingy that had some jambalaya with alligator in it. I don't eat mm. reptile. I, th- I find the idea of reptile disgusting. Maybe it's because really? I feed a leopard gecko every night before I go to bed. Or a- Reptile's gross. I'm not eating a reptile. It tastes like fried. Well, then, yeah, then I'll eat something else that's fried that's not a reptile. I've never heard that belief before. What? I'm a druid. Because you have a pet? We druids don't eat reptiles. Uh, well, I have a pet dog, but I still eat mammals. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems gross to me. It looked gross, too. They ate it, though. Both my kids ate it. I said, now you got that for the rest of your life. You get to say you've eaten alligators. Look, you got that. 
It's just meat. Right. Not gross. Not particularly flavorful. Now, crocodile. Oh, tender, delicious, flavorful. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Is alligator a poor man's crocodile? (laughs) I have no idea. So at some point, we ought to squeeze in information about these uh, deputy gangs in L.A. that the sheriff has come out with strong orders. You got to show me your tattoos and tell me if you're in one of these groups. Is it constitutional? What are these deputy gangs up to? I'm not sure it is. Might be a good idea, though. Well, condition of employment? Certainly arguable. So we can squeeze that in. Also, uh, the Biden administration making big noises about climate change and how we must uh, swing together into action. And uh, the Euros are reacting. uh, We really kind of need fossil fuels. In fact, we need more fossil fuels. So we appreciate your enthusiasm, Uncle Joe, but let's all calm down. 60 Minutes headline story last night should be a bipartisan wake-up call to what the Pentagon is spending, and now we're all getting jobbed. It's making us less safe. It's wasting lots of money. If you haven't heard about this, we can um, bring you up to speed on that story. It's pretty amazing. Um, we do four hours of the show every single day. I don't know if you get to catch them all live or however. You can listen to the podcast. So look for Armstrong and Getty On Demand wherever you find your podcasts. That's an excellent idea. Fine entertainment. Yes. The idea of eating snake or lizard or whatever just grosses me out highly. Bring it on. Armstrong I'm ready. and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The gouging that takes place is unconscionable. It's unconscionable. This is from last night's 60 Minutes, talking about how the Pentagon overcharges for everything and it's just completely out of control i keep hitting the button and then you hit the button there we go uh it's completely out of control and something needs to be done about it and i've wondered about this my whole life but um i've been particularly into it over the last couple of weeks as senator marco rubio has been looking into it a great deal he's on one of the committees uh that you know keeps an eye on the pentagon and he was on jesse waters show on fox a while back, and I just happened to catch it. And man, his examples of the Pentagon overspending and the lack of oversight, and them being unable to answer questions about where's the money go, who spent what, where's the paperwork? Oh, we don't know. We'll have to lay our hands on that. We can't get back to you. That sort of thing was highly troubling. You know what's crazy about this, and we'll play you a little more of the sixty minutes piece about. The Pentagon doing business with giant conglomerates that then screw the taxpayer out of enormous sums of money for things that are going to cost far less is that your newer, faster moving, super innovative defense contractors that are are selling drones and 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 satellite uh, communication systems and that sort of thing, they can't get productive relationships going with the Pentagon because the Pentagon is so huge and slow moving and lumbering. And so we're essentially getting it from both ends. We're way overpaying for the good old boy giant corporation defense stuff. And the little guys who are really innovative can't get the time of day. So Wow, oof. that's not good. And I'm not a the Chinese system is better than our system guy by any means, but I'll bet they don't have that problem in the same way. Now, communist right. countries, as we're learning with Russia, have the problem in corruption and lying and all kinds of other ways, too. So. 
So the gent you heard uh, as we started the segment is the gent you're going to hear a couple more times, Shay Assad, who was uh, one of the way, way, way higher ups in procurement for the Pentagon. So he knows of what he speaks and he spent his career in the Pentagon now out of it trying to get people's attention and point out that we and therefore our service people are getting screwed by Pentagon procurement practices. Go with uh, 61, Michael. This was a, an oil pressure switch that NASA used to buy. Well, their oil switch with all of the cabling cost $328. This oil switch, we paid over $10,000 for it. So what accounts for that huge difference? Gouging. What, what else can account for it? If that's true, how is that not treasonous since it's national defense? I mean, you are, you are really, really an awful American if you were doing that knowingly just because you can. They're bellied up to the trough, man. How can we not have procurement practices that take care of that? It's amazing. Next clip. No matter who they are, no matter what company it is, they need to be held accountable. And right now, that accountability system is broken in the Department of Defense. So does that affect our readiness there's no doubt about it you just can only buy so much because you only have so much money and that's why i say is it really any different than not giving a marine enough bullets to put in this clip it's the same thing it absolutely is the same thing and of course it affects our readiness i realize he was asking that question to elicit the answer but if something costs 10 times as much well then for the budget we're going to get one tenth as many Bullets, planes, whatever the hell you're talking about. They point out in this piece that uh, the the Pentagon itself, for some reason, and, and I'd love to dig into this a little more, a couple of decades ago, a few decades ago, I think it was in the 90s, uh, said that now there are too many defense contractors and we'd really like to see y'all consolidate. So they consolidated from the mid-30s to five super giants that the Pentagon deals with more or less exclusively. You know, Raytheon, Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, and and those companies. Um, And that's a big part of it now. They granted, we granted, near monopoly uh, status to these supergiant corporations. What a brilliant idea. And because they're not patriots, uh, they just started charging as much as they can. So we got this text before we get back to some of the 60 Minutes clips from somebody uh, who deals with this in the military. A big part of the issue is called fiscal law. Congress has made it clear that we have to buy products from certain retailers. I cannot go to Office Depot and buy a desk for $200. I have to use a particular vendor who then charges $2,000 for the same product. You know, we think about planes and bullets obviously fighting a war, but the Pentagon, it's the world's biggest office building, would have a hell of a lot of desks and staplers and copiers and paper and all the other stuff, too. Not Uh, to mention hamburgers and Coca-Colas. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, so this person paying, we're paying, we, the taxpayer, paying $2,000 for a $200 desk, you could go over to Home Depot. If I were to go to Office Depot and still get that desk, I can go to prison for violating fiscal law for buying the cheaper product. Every three years, I have to sit in a two-day fiscal law class in order to purchase from my military unit. Wow. Wow, that's revealing. Yeah. Thanks for that text. Anybody else? 415-295-KFTC. That's 415-295-KFTC, or if you want to email us a little more detail, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Bill Whitaker talking to Shea Assad continues. 
Army negotiators also caught Assad's former employer, Raytheon, making what they called unacceptable profits from the Patriot system by dramatically exaggerating the cost and hours it took to build the radar and ground equipment. You called Raytheon on the carpet? Yes, I did. You know, of course, I reported that information up the chain. But then I went to the inspector general and um, I also went to uh, the Defense Criminal Investigative Service. Hmm. And I said, I want this looked into. Uh, go ahead and follow up with 65, Michael. Raytheon told us it is working to equitably resolve the matter. And in 2021, CEO Gregory Hayes informed investors the company would set aside $290 million for probable liability. I will say this is an ongoing investigation by DOJ. We think these were one-off events that occurred, should not have occurred, but they did. One-offs? No, it's not one-off. And it's not one-off with a lot of companies. Wow, so they got their hands caught with their hands in the cookie jar, said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It turns out, yeah, uh, 290 million. Yeah, okay, sure, we'll turn that over. What what I found extraordinary was every example they, they gave, and I'm sure this happened little by little, year over year after year after year. It probably started with you charge for something that costs 100 bucks, you charge 115. But now it's many multiples, like the example of the desk, a $200 desk, $2,000. I mean, it seems like practically no limit. Or you, you, we played the clip about the whatever switch. Um, it's many, many multiples of the cost that they charge for these things. For instance, let's finish up with 63, Michael. These companies just keep raking it in. What level of profit are we talking about? Well, if the average profitability that was negotiated in a firm fixed price contract was typically between 12 and 15%. So a company could make 12 That's a good profit. Sure. But Shay Assad told us Pentagon analysts found total profits approached 40%. Based on what they actually made, we would have received an entire year's worth of missiles for free. An entire year worth of missiles. We would have got them for free. I hate having my taxes be wasted, uh, but it's definitely a national security issue. Oh, 100%, sure. That is, this is such a difficult and discouraging problem. Speaking of Bill Gates, who we mentioned, or Bob Gates, rather, uh, who we mentioned earlier, uh, one of the most striking things in his book to me was he tells stories about how he, as the Secretary of Defense, could not get the, the department to move on things. He would say, this has got to happen. Everybody below him said, said yes, sir, absolutely. And then two weeks later, nothing would have happened. And he would check back again to see what the hell was going on. And just it was it's like a cruise ship times 10. It's impossible to turn it. And in a problem like this, where the very, you know, the voluminous rules that govern uh, procurement in the Pentagon um, have been designed in concert with the people profiting off of it. They're so voluminous and complex, nobody's quite sure how to change them. And it ends up, you know, the tail wags the dog in a way that's completely unacceptable to the dog, where it stifles innovation and just rains rewards down on the established defense supergiants. 
This has been a problem for, well, since the dawn of time, I suppose, but uh, even in modern memory, I remember Al, a young Al Gore being on Letterman, like right before or right after they got elected, and this is one of the things they were going to take on, and uh, him at Letterman's desk, he put on these plastic goggles to protect his eyes and then smashed something with a hammer and said, this hammer cost taxpayers, I forget ever what it was, $500 because of blah, 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 the way we do things. So it's been going on for a long time. It's got to be a way. Some people complain a lot about the fact that we spend, what is it this time around, $800 billion a year on the on the Pentagon. Well, if we're spending $800 billion and we're only getting $500 billion of national defense and the rest is just gouging, that really sucks. You remember the famous $10,000 toilet seat? Mm-hmm. I remember at the time it was claimed that, well, that is actually that's inflated to cover like uh, black ops, secret ops, you know, uh, your, your uh, covert, your uh, classified intelligence programs. Well, if the head of procurement for the Pentagon is on 60 Minutes practically screaming into the wind that we're getting gouged like crazy over and over again, I don't think that's a, a solid explanation. Or Marco Rubio. You don't think they'd pull Marco Rubio aside and say, hey, the reason we do this is to, you know, the fact that we get the, you know, the super zombie ray. We had to pay for that somehow. I th- I'm sure he'd be let in on that situation. Right. No, we're just getting Offer him a little bottle of water because he looks parched. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, never forget. Uh, hey, speaking of innovation and money and that sort of thing, here's something the Pentagon would never buy. They would never sign up for. Simply Safe Home Security, which is the best and the most reasonable advanced security system for your home. And with vacation season coming up, that means your home's going to be unoccupied and the burglars know it. Yep. Robbers love vacation season. They know you're going to be. This happened to me one time years ago before I left on vacation and got hit. They knew I was going to be gone over Christmas. Sucks. I didn't have a Simply Safe system at the time. Fast Protect technology for fast response enables monitoring agents to visually verify the threat is real. Conveys eyewitness evidence to nine one one dispatch for fast police or fire response. Simply Safe is the best. And you're in control from anywhere, anytime with the top-rated Simply Safe app. Stay connected, arm or disarm your system remotely. Check your cameras to make sure everything's okay. Even unlock the front door to let a guest in. You install it yourself in 30 minutes. It's easy. They can help you if you need it. No long-term contracts. It costs less, but it's better. Customize the perfect system for your home in a few minutes at simplysafe.com/armstrong. Go today, claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off your order with interactive monitoring. That's simplysafe.com/armstrong. Armstrong. There's no safe like Simply Safe. I wish I weren't so cynical, but I'm pretty damn cynical about this sort of stuff. I expect little to be done. Um, I expect the um, uh, the various companies that are making so much money off us taxpayers to think, all right, we got to tone it down for a little bit here because uh, the heat's on. So let's just take it easy for a while, and then we can go back to doing what we're doing. That's mm-hmm. what I expect to happen. Yeah, and on the other end of it, like I said, the New York Times with a really interesting article about these innovative new companies that are making the uh, defense systems of the future. It says, but they're facing a stiff challenge on another field of battle. The Pentagon's slow-moving, risk-averse military procurement bureaucracy. That doesn't surprise me at all that they would hang on to the old taxi system forever and never let an Uber get going. 
Right. And what's so ironic about uh, Mr. Assad, whose last name is distracting to me, um, and his railing against the gouging and the rest of it is the Pentagon is made that you have uh, uh, the buyer and then you have the checker and then you have the guy who checks the checker. Then you have the woman who checks the guy checking the checker uh, to make sure it's all according to rules and regulations and the rest of it. But they still get gouged, but they're so hidebound they can't sign a, a longer term deal with the leading, you know, drone maker in america or this innovative tech company that's got a quickly deployable satellite system for a war zone they can't get enough investment to stay in business because the pentagon can't sign long-term contracts without you know incredible paperwork years long uh, bureaucratic sludge well and old cynical jack pointing out that a lot of these guys at the very high levels including i think our current sec def go back and forth between you know the military and these companies so mm-hmm. they don't have a lot of reason to like spread it out to new upstart companies and that sort of thing. Not an accident. Yeah, that's uh, that's troubling. I uh, I now know what the knock is going to be on Tim Scott as he runs for president. I've heard the first attack on him, and it's going to be a popular one. Hmm. He's just announcing Can't wait to hear just that. announcing today. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I know America is a land of opportunity, not a land of oppression. I know it because I've lived it. That's why it pains my soul to see the Biden liberals attacking every rung of the ladder that helped me climb. If the radical left gets their way, millions more families will be trapped in failing schools, crime-ridden neighborhoods, and crushing inflation. Not on my watch. Timothy Eugene Scott, Senator South Carolina, 57 years old, announcing he's running for president today. 57, that's like 30 years too young. That's got to be the knock against him, right? Grew up crazy poor. Started his own business. Made it work. Got a good story. Here's a little more from his announcement video. When I fought back against their liberal agenda, they called me a prop, a token, because I disrupt their narrative. I threaten their control. They know the truth of my life disproves their lies. See, I was raised by a single mother in poverty. The spoons in our apartment were plastic, not silver. But we had faith. We put in the work, and we had an unwavering belief that we, too, could live the American dream. Very religious guy, by the way. Um, Great stuff there. When he entered public life at age 30, he said he was a virgin. As you heard there, he grew up with plastic cutlery. Uh. <laughs> he, <laughs> he said he was a virgin at age 30? Yeah, he's a very, very religious guy. Like, Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's going to be uh, an interesting angle also because you can't, as the left... Be attacking. Oh, he's a black guy. Got to mention that because it's going to play a role in the whole thing. You can't be going after a black guy for being too religious, can you? The way you can any Southern Baptist white guy like George Bush sure. or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can go after a black guy though. 
Yeah, Jack, you pointed this out uh, months ago, and it's a great point. If you're white and religious, you're a moron. If you're black and religious, you're admirable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Here's a little from his live announcement speech a few minutes ago, and then I've got the big knock that's going to hit him right off the bat. Joe Biden and the radical left are attacking every single rung of the ladder that helped me climb. And that's why I'm announcing today that I'm running for president of the United States of America. Yes. Here comes the chanting. Thank you. All right. So, um, here's the knock because I already saw it from one of your big blue check marks. Tim Scott, at some point during his announcement speech there, and said, I got a lot of people behind me I'm happy to have here. Larry Ellison's right there, and they cheered and everything like that. Larry Ellison, sixth richest man in the world, ran the Oracle Company, billionaire. Just saw one of your big blue check marks saying, if you vote for Tim Scott or support Tim Scott, you're basically supporting a Larry Ellison presidency. So that's going to be the thing. That's going to be one of the Knox's ties to a super gazillionaire. He's just a handy puppet of that. I'm just throwing it out there because I've already seen it. That's not a good shot. (sighs) Twitter's stupid. You're stupid, Twitter. Going to be be interesting to see if Tim Scott can get any footholds whatsoever. He's getting a lot of national press. I was looking at all the morning TV shows and that sort of stuff. A lot of coverage of the fact that he's announcing a lot more than a lot of the other 1% candidates that are out there. Next hour, some great California's crumbling stuff. If you don't get the next hour, grab the podcast, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty.